0: Visit carp.ca.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Christmas songs like this are huge in popular culture. But did you know that most of the most popular ones are by people who weren't Christian at all? And how long have you had to wait for a medically necessary treatment? The Fraser Institute crunched the numbers and found wait times are going up and surpassing the five-month mark. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A simple new tool could help doctors identify early signs of dementia in adults. Similar to a growth chart used by pediatricians, this new tool tests memory performance of patients over time with the results plotted on a chart. Doctors can then review the results to see if changes fit within the normal range. The research team at Université Laval followed 8,000 healthy individuals tracking their performance, and the results are promising. A study in the Canadian Medical Association Journal found the test 80% accurate in correctly identifying patients with dementia and 89% accurate in those without. Like a scene out of a futuristic movie, Japan is now using robots to deliver health care to seniors. Over a quarter of the country's population is over 65, and healthcare workers are in high demand. Japan leads the world in advanced robotics, and this latest technology, called CareBots, is being tested in about 5,000 nursing homes. For now, the market is small due to the high cost. The high tech equipment helps workers lift, move, and monitor residents, and in some cases, Body sensors can predict when a resident needs to use the washroom. The robots won't totally replace human social interaction just yet. Ever forget where you left your car keys or misplaced your wallet? Don't fret. According to researchers from the University of Toronto and the Hospital for Sick Kids, forgetting certain information is an important part of the brain's memory system. And having a good memory doesn't mean higher intelligence. Researchers say an important aspect of making intelligent decisions is being able to forget some information. The article is published in the journal Neuron. The woman at the center of Britain's most notorious sex scandal of the 1960s has died. Christine Keeler was the London showgirl whose simultaneous relationships with British War Secretary John Profumo and a Soviet military attache became known as the Profumo Affair. It endured in the popular imagination with its mix of lurid details, cold war politics, class prejudice, and sexual hypocrisy. Keeler died this week of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. She was 75. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world.
0: So many of those images and sounds of sleigh rides and roasting chestnuts came from songs. Songs that were written by Jews. In the meadow
2: That's a clip from the documentary Dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. It explores the ultimate Yuletide irony that many of the most iconic Christmas songs were written by Jews. From White Christmas to Winter Wonderland to The Christmas Song, the film explores the reasons behind the phenomenon. I sat down with veteran filmmaker Larry Weinstein. This is something that is... Well-known in the Jewish community, but do people outside realize how many of the classic Christmas songs were written by Jews?
3: No, I would say absolutely not. I mean, you know, some some people in the know know about Irving Berlin's White Christmas, so okay, he's a Jewish composer, but they they don't realize that it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and... Winter Wonderland and Chestnuts on an Open Fire the Christmas Song and Do You Hear What I Hear and and Rock Around the Christmas Tree and Holly Jolly Christmas and Silver Bells and I mean it even goes right down to the songs from How the Grinch Stole Christmas that's a Jewish composer or The Peanuts Christmas Time is Here which is such a beautiful song Jewish composer I mean it's it's a lot it's about 20 25 of the best known Christmas songs are by Jewish composers
2: why is that
3: you know, when when Jews came from Europe, Eastern Europe mostly, there was so much discrimination and there were so few things that Jews were really allowed to do even. And they just showed this talent. The Jewish religion has a, a musical kind of tradition of prayers are sung in synagogues. Some of these composers were sons of, of cantors. And they just very naturally wrote music, music that really reached people. And they did all kinds of music. The, the man who wrote... Uh, Uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game was a Jewish composer, hadn't gone to a baseball game. And, uh, you know, they wrote Christmas songs, but they also wrote Easter songs and they wrote all kinds of things. And yeah, I think it was just a natural thing for them.
2: Is it possible that as outsiders, that's one reason why you get such an idealized view of Christmas?
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, when you hear something like chestnuts on an open fire, it's something that's so warm and so family-oriented. In a way, it's it's these people looking from the outside in, Chestnuts roasting on an open file. I think it's about that idealized Christmas. White Christmas is so nostalgic and so beautiful. It also redefines Christmas for people. Now, you know, since that song, people want to have a white Christmas. The weather forecast, will we have a white Christmas? It's all based on that song that a Jewish composer from Russia invented.
2: I always get this sort of sense of your nose pressed against the glass looking at this Christmas thing that you weren't going to be taking part of. Was that part of it as well?
3: Yeah, I think that that's very true, that some of my Christian friends have said, you know, if I wrote a song, I would talk about families getting together and arguing and fighting over the wishbone and, and, and the various things that happen, whereas, whereas Jewish composers and Jews, I think, generally see it as this beautiful idealized thing that that they're, Secretly, a little envious about, uh, as or not
2: some, so secretly.
3: Yeah, I mean, as one as as Mark Breslin says in our film, because we have a, a variety of interviewees, our holiday Hanukkah just doesn't cut it. You get you get a dreidel and some stale chocolate, and um, it's it's not the same.
2: You set this in a Chinese restaurant. Why?
3: Yeah, well, you know, famously, so many Jews go to Chinese restaurants for for Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, and it's it's because traditionally it was the only restaurant that was actually open. And now there's a much bigger... You go, you're go. you in a place like Toronto, there's so many choices of places that are open, but it's too late. The tradition is there.
0: Rudolph the Red-Nosed
2: Reindeer Tell me about what Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is really based on.
3: Well, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is actually probably the most Jewish of the songs, overtly Jewish, in its themes. It was written by a composer named Johnny Marr. But the story came from his brother-in-law, Robert May, who worked for a department store in 1939, was commissioned to create a coloring book for their customers. And he came up with this idea of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it was kind of based on his own childhood in New Rochelle, New York, which was not a very Jewish place. And Robert May was a kid who, you know, was Jewish and his friends didn't really want to play with him. They called him names. And uh, so he wrote Did he this have thing. a red nose? <laughs> well, uh, Robert Harris is the wonderful interviewee who talks about this a lot in the film. And he says, well, red nose is a code for big nose. And he says that the wonderful thing about Rudolph is that he didn't get a nose job. <laughs> he took, he became proud of who he was and Santa saw that. And, and then, of course, Rudolph lights the way for for the gift giving. But, it's, it's yeah, it's based on this feeling of being ostracized but then being proud of who you are. And it's funny because we've all heard the tune millions of times. It's, it's rather banal in a way. But it has this extra profundity when you know that and a lot of the songs. We have Winter Wonderland, which was the earliest of the songs we do from nineteen thirty-four, but then we have a reprise of it, Winter Vinderland in Yiddish with a klezmer kind of accompaniment, and you hear how Jewish sounding it sounds the, the minor keys. We are most of the songs aren't overly Jewish. The, the composers were, were not trying to make statements as Jews. They were proud of being Americans, and that's what that was about.
2: What do you hope people come away with?
3: Well, it's really a film about um, belonging and tolerance and, and hope and dreams and magic, but it's about inclusiveness.
2: Okay, thanks for that. Thank you. That was director Larry Weinstein on his film, Dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, how long will you have to wait for a hip replacement or cancer treatment? The Fraser Institute has the tally.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: How long have you had to wait for medical treatment that you needed? The Fraser Institute is out with its annual report called Waiting Your Turn, and it shows wait times going up. You can expect to wait more than 41 weeks for a hip replacement, but if you need cancer treatment, you will access it in just three weeks. I reached Bacchus Barua, the report's author in Vancouver.
4: We've been doing this study for more than 20 years, and the unfortunate thing that we've seen is that right through, there's been a massive increase in wait times. This year's wait time, which was 21.2 weeks, referral from a GP to actually receiving treatment was more than twice as long as it was in 1993 when we started measuring wait times. At that time, the wait time was just 9.3 weeks. So massive deterioration. But there are some bright spots. For sure, patients in Canada do get treatment for things like radiation and medical oncology within three to four weeks. But unfortunately, at the same time, patients are also waiting on average at about 40 weeks for things like orthopedic surgery or 33 weeks for neurosurgery. Hopefully, we can think about creating a system where in order for certain patients to get good treatment, other patients don't have to suffer.
2: Why do you think we've had that huge doubling of wait times? Are there more older people? Is it something simple like that?
4: Well, it's really because we haven't really seen any shift in policy. Uh, We've long had a system which creates a situation where services will likely have to be rationed because we have a fixed budget. The government's the only payer. It controls the purse strings. And there are very few appropriate incentives for both the providers and the patients. And that's why we continually seeing, as we have an increasing population, an older population, um, higher demands for healthcare, more things that we can treat, we will see increased number of surgeries being done, but nothing to actually keep up even with the sort of treatment that we were getting in the past, let alone actually improving the situation. And I think it's important for us to understand that this is not just because we have a universal healthcare care system, it's because of the way we've chosen to structure our universal health care system.
2: We come out on uh, towards the bottom of the scale. Only the United States is worse than us and other Western countries with universal health care perform better.
4: I think it's easy enough to find enough metrics where Canada performs better than the United States. Um, But whenever we compare ourselves to other countries with universal health care, the countries that are known for actually doing a good job, uh, we're actually usually at the bottom of the pack, especially when it comes to wait times of treatment. And it does not have to do with spending. Most of these other countries are spending about the same amount as Canada does, and some of them actually do less. But they do universal health care differently.
2: Let's deal with provincial disparity. I mean, people here should feel good. The shortest wait times are in Ontario at just over 15 weeks.
4: Unfortunately, it's something that our report is, is not able to do, which is identify exactly why certain provinces are doing better than others in every case. But even with Ontario, I mean, there are first two things to note, and that's that Ontario's wait time of 15.4 weeks is far longer than what it was in 1993 when it was 9.1 weeks. The second is that even though it's 15.4 weeks, we have to understand that it's only doing well relative to Canada's average. Really what we should be comparing ourselves with are other countries that are doing a much better job. What's the point of being the best in the country if you're still forcing patients to wait 15.4 weeks on average? The one province where we are able to actually see some policy work was Saskatchewan. Um, over the last uh, four or five years, they were able to go from being a province with the longest wait times in Canada to the second shortest. So still longer than Ontario. And they did it by making a couple of bold decisions. The first is that they started a pooled patient referral system so that patients could go into a central registry, be matched up with a physician who has the shortest wait time, but still retain the right to wait longer for their physician. The other is that they partnered with third-party private clinics within the universal healthcare system.
2: I'd like to get to uh, some of the areas that have the longest waits. So I'm talking about orthopedic surgery, like a hip replacement or a knee replacement, and neurosurgery. Is it simply a matter that we don't have enough of these specialists?
4: Well, let me start with the larger context, which is that Canada in general has fewer physicians per capita than most other countries in the OECD. Now, again, this ties into the fact that we have only one particular peer. Only the government can control how many physicians come in, how many physicians are being trained, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But more than that, even when there are physicians available, quite often they aren't actually given the operating room time that they need, which is tied to the amount of money that the hospital has for treatment, which is tied to the fact that the government's only peer. So this is really a long interwoven um, sort of situation uh, that we've created for ourselves where things like not enough resources, things like not enough operating room time, not enough procedures being done, are actually basically a result of the broader policies we've chosen for our healthcare system where the appropriate incentives just aren't in place.
2: Anything that you would like to leave us with?
4: You know, I I think the one thing that that I can say is that, you know, last year when we measured the wait time at 20 weeks, there were a lot of people who perked up their ears and kind of came around to say that this is really not an acceptable situation. And therefore, it's very disheartening to see the wait times increase to 21.2 weeks this year. But it's not unexpected. It's not surprising because if you do not actually change policy, you can expect the same situation to happen in the future again.
2: Okay, Bacchus Barua, thanks so much.
4: Thank you so much for having me on the show.
2: That was Bacchus Barua from the Fraser Institute. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, how the iconic Christmas song came to be in the middle of a heat wave.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. It's time for your international arts date book, tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown.
1: Tickets are now available to attend a new museum in New York, which celebrates everything to do with spying. Skyscape promises to immerse visitors in espionage through customized experiences in a 60,000-square-foot building. The Dickens Museum in London is officially in the festive spirit with the unveiling of A Christmas Carol, which highlights the tale of Scrooge and the ghosts of Christmas. The exhibition is housed in the building where Charles Dickens penned the classics Oliver Twist and the Pickwick Papers. In Paris... But not for much longer. The city is axing the French capital's version of the London Eye, ruling that getting rid of the giant Ferris wheel will help protect the area's historic visual appearance. And in Buenos Aires, the Pro-Up Foundation presents inoculation dedicated to the social interventions of Chinese dissident artist Ai Weiwei. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. We'll end the show with another angle on the story
2: behind the creation of one of the most iconic Christmas songs, also written by Jewish composers, The Christmas Song. It was written by Mel Torme and lyricist Bob Wells. The two actually came up with the song in the middle of a blistering hot summer. According to Torme, they weren't actually trying to write a Christmas song. They were just trying to keep cool by thinking of winter things. Bob Wells sketched down chestnuts roasting, jack frost nipping, yuletide carols, folks dressed up like Eskimos. An hour later, they had finished writing one of the most popular Christmas songs of all time. And here it is, the definitive version, as recorded by Nat King Cole. Chestnuts roasting on an open file. That was Nat King Cole with The Christmas Song, written by Mel Torme and Bob Wells. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide.
0: You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited, executive producer Moses Zneimer.